Thank you very much. Looking at our at open ears and our open ears was because we have to be actually willing to listen to what God has to say on a subject. If we're going to enjoy God's best in that area, we have to decide to open our ears and to hear what God has to say on that subject or else we're not ever going to shift and enjoy the what all that Christ has provided for us when it comes to that area. So we first have to choose God, I just want to know what you have to say. Then the next step is we looked at having our hearts open, looked at open hearts. And so because then we, it has to shift and become a part of our heart and we embrace it. And so many times the truth will get into our hearts before it begins to shift our thinking pattern. So last week we looked at having open minds, that we were going to open our minds to allow God to begin to transform the way we think. And this week the next step in this life transformation process, and we're all at it in some area on some, with something in our lives. The next step is open doors. Once we've allowed God's word to enter our hearts and enter our ears, we've heard it, then we've embraced it, then we've had our minds begin to transform and think differently, then there's going to be an open door. There's going to be an opportunity to begin to put that into practice. And all of a sudden now, all of this three steps of the inward begins to sh- take a manifest and show up on the outward with us making some sort of an action. There's an open door. That's when we've, the process is really begins to take hold. And we're going to be looking at that. And it's because once our ears are open and our hearts and minds, then we will see the open doors that are before us. We move from open minds to open doors because the way we think determines the opportunities that we see our thinking process is going to determine what what actually we're seeing in front of us what we're experiencing the way we are thinking is going to adjust that i and and you know one of the things that i love is that god gives us an opportunity to redeem missed opportunities a lot of times because our thinking pattern was just a little off the first time it rolled around we get an opportunity to shift it and uh, whenever I was 10 years old, my parents took our family on an awesome vacation, and we went to Florida and did the whole Disney World thing, and it, it was awesome. But one of the problem was is when I was 10, I had a thinking process that somehow that if, if I got on a roller coaster, that somehow mid-process I would vaporize or fly out of the car or something horrible was going to happen to me. I was just afraid of roller coasters. Now, I'm the oldest of three, ki- of three kids, and I, my, my younger siblings are sisters. And so I'm the only boy. I'm the oldest, and I ought to be the brave guy in the bunch. But as we went to, went to Florida for this once-in-a-lifetime trip for, for our family growing up, then we got to finally to the, at that point, there was only Disney World, the Magic Kingdom, and Epcot. That was the only two that, that existed. Didn't have all these other cool parks. And the big roller coaster was Space Mountain. I mean, that was, that was, the, that was, that was the bad daddy. I mean, that was, the one you, that was the one you wanted to ride. And so we got in line, and as we were walking up to that cool-looking building, then uh, I was telling my parents, man, I am not riding this. Well, my dad tried to shame me into it because my little sisters were like pumped. They were ready to ride it. They're like, look at this. You know, they're, they're more manly than you. I don't care. And they couldn't shame me into it. They couldn't do anything. So finally, he's like, they're like, well, just, just go with it. You have to go with us. 
So I walked through the process and looked at all the cool displays as you're going through. And finally, we get to, to get on to the cars. And my dad makes one more plea with me to just kind of man up, get on this thing. Nobody had died on that ride all day long. It had been good. And so it, it all had been well. And, and I still would not, I would not get on that ride. Well, little did we know that there are two roller coasters taking place inside this. So there are two places to get on and consequently two different places to get off. Well, they, they, my parents said, well, go to where we get off and wait on us. And my dad was already a little irritated because I was not manning up on this deal. I was not going to jump in the middle of this and, and do this roller coaster. So he's already a little irritated. And my mom was already a little edgy about me not being with him because at that point in time, there had been some sequence of uh, some kind of messed up people in their, in their mind had been, had been stealing, kidnapping uh, about 10, 9, 10, 11-year-old boys and, and doing really horrible things to them. And so my mom was really apprehensive about letting me go away from her. So I go and I dutifully wait in line and where they're going to get off, and my parents never get off. They never get off. They never get off. It's just being confirmed to me. <sighs> I knew it. They vaporized. They did. They vaporized. I'm the only wise one. I knew it. I had discernment. My parents would not listen to their son. And I waited and waited and waited and waited and waited and waited. And they never got off. So I decided I was going to go out. And I was going to wait outside. So then I wait outside. Well, this whole time my parents get off. They're looking for me. I'm not there. This big panic ensues. And, uh, you know, what should have been this wonderful reunion was my mom seeing me and goes from relief to, if we weren't in a public place, I'd beat you so bad. You just better be grateful there's security people around here. I would beat you, boy. And uh, it, it ruined the rest of that day for our trip. Well, when we were on our big trip, that we took in 2008 and traveling around and visiting the 34 churches and doing all of that, we went to Disney World. I'm 34 this time. I got my big boy pants on, and I am ready to redeem. I get a new opportunity. And so we go in, and we, we ride. I ride Space Mountain. I don't ride it one time. We rode Space Mountain five times. We rode both sides of it. I took care of every base. I got an opportunity to redeem it because I had finally understood that it was designed to simply give me joy, to give me pleasure, to, to get my endorphins going. It was designed not to do me harm, but to do me good. It was, and when my thinking got aligned to the fact that it was designed to do me good, all of a sudden I was able to step into it and enjoy the opportunity. It took me 24 years later, but I was able to do it. And... Uh, it was exciting, and so our thinking so much determines the opportunities that we see. As a 10-year-old boy, I saw an opportunity to die. When that little car rolled up and you saw that it kind of go into this little chute and disappear into the darkness, it looked too much like a coffin. And it looked too, uh, it's like, no, 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 I don't want anything to do with that. All of a sudden, when my thinking gets renewed and it gets shifted, all of a sudden that thing rolls up, and I'm looking at the same thing with a different mindset, and I see nothing but fun. Nothing but enjoyment. See, as we begin to, to have our thinking shifted in God and allow Him to come in, all of a sudden we'll begin to look 
at life different. So many of the things that had freaked us out in life, so many things that had just had us locked up with fear, we begin to see opportunities for God to show his power on our behalf, for us to step in and do awesome things, that things that are above and beyond us. Our minds begin to shift and we see opportunity instead of, instead of something that could go terribly wrong and horrible. See, one of the verses has just been a constant in this series. It's Matthew 5, chapter 8. And we're used to hearing it like this. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I love the message translation. Message translation says you're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and your heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. Once we get our inside world taken care of, then we can see the outside world and see the opportunities that are before us. See, that is what is so awesome about Christianity is God comes in and he changes us from the inside. And then we understand why it's so smart to do it God's way. All of a sudden, instead of seeing all of these don'ts, all of these things that are holding us back and taking the fun away from us, we see that complying with what God has laid out is an opportunity to avoid some of the hurts and the traps of life. All of a sudden, we begin to look at everything in a different way. We begin to see the outside world, see God at work. Another one that's been a constant with us is that we've been looking at Romans 12 too. It says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. When your mind has been renewed, then you'll be able to see the open doors. You'll be able to see what God's will is, what he's wanting you to do. It's not going to be this fog, this thing, oh, I can't understand it. When our minds are renewed, we begin to see where God is wanting us to go. What he's asking of us. What we need to be doing. The opportunities that we ought to be laying hold of. Again, I love the way the message translation reads. It says, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. We'll see the opportunities that are before us and respond and seize them, jump on them, do it. That's the process. We allow God's word to get into our ears and find its way into our hearts and begin to shift things on the inside. And so many times, everybody on the outside doesn't see anything different happening. That's why we cannot judge one another by what we see on the outside. We have to love each other and be patient with each other and believe that the word that's happening on the inside is doing its process. Because three parts of the transformation process all happen on the inside. None of us get to see it. I don't get to see the word being on the inside of Steve and, and transforming him. I don't see anything until he enters into the opportunity phase and, and begins to see something and do something on the outside. But three phases of it all happen on the inside. Listening, then letting it in your heart, and then letting it transform your mind. And sometimes that process takes a little bit. Sometimes it takes a little bit. And you know what? That's why we have to love each other and be patient with each other and support each other. And keep pointing each other forward. Say, where are you? Where are you in your walk with Christ? We'll be asking that each other all the time. Not me saying, well, I look on the outside and you're just nowhere with God. No, because there may be a ton happening on the inside. I can't judge you that way. So I ask you and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you. 
And then out of your own mouth, you'll say, well, I've stalled out. Or no, I'm really moving forward, and God's really doing this. I mean, I've been chewing on this scripture, and I've been seeing these things, and, and I think I'm just about to step into this opportunity to, to move forward in Christ in this way. Three-fourths of this stuff happens on the inside where nobody but you and God can really see it happening. Amen. It's not till the last piece. That's why we have, we have to be patient with each other. There's just no other way around it. Now, we have to remember that the way that we think determines the opportunities that we see. And this is so wonderfully illustrated in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 15. Now, Hebrews chapter 11 is one of my favorite chapters because it goes through, and this is called, the Bible refers to it as the hall of faith. This goes through and looks at all of our wonderful Old Testament heroes, these people that just did incredible things for God. And it begins to list and says, by faith they did this, and by faith they did that, and goes through and lists them. And right in the middle... It sandwiches it there in, in verse 15 and it puts this in there. And it's referring to specifically uh, to Abraham and, and his wife. It says, if they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. See, Abraham and Sarah l- obeyed God and said, leave and I'm going to show you where you're going to go. They didn't know where they were going to go. And had they had been thinking about where they had come from, they would have had opportunity to go back. But they weren't thinking about all of that mess. They were thinking about only that where God was going to be taking them to. See, you, everybody wonders why we kind of go around the same mountain over and over again. You're like, man, why didn't I learn this lesson? Why am I back here again? I guarantee you it's because of the thinking process. You sit there and you get, you get free from something or you step out of something and then you start thinking about it. Well, I, wish, I start wondering about this and going back to that and pretty soon an opportunity to go back there presents itself. And then once we've been thinking in that direction, that opportunity, that open door is just so, so many times just too sweet and too easy to walk right back into That's why we have to sit there and not be thinking about all of the junk that we came out of or some of sometimes even the comfort of some of the old stuff. Sometimes the the known is more comfortable than the unknown, even when it hurts. Sometimes the pain of the familiar is easier than the pain of the unfamiliar. Sometimes it's scary to go into the unfamiliar. You're like, oh, I don't want to, I'll just come over here and, you know, and get, get pinched and hurt real good, but I, I know I can handle that, you know. No, it's not God's best, but I, I can handle that. This, this other here, I don't know. We can't be thinking about that. We have to be looking forward. That's why around here we're constantly saying, which way forward from here? We don't want to go back. Sometimes our forward is this. You know what? And that's okay. It's forward. We want to go forward. But we have to be thinking correctly. Man, one time when I was in high school, I just was decided that you, you think about the wrong things. You know, when you're in high school or whatnot, you're looking for an opportunity to be cute or be funny, to impress the class or whatnot. And it was my senior year, and I had a, uh, I was in my biology two class, and I was part of the part of National Honor Society, and the uh, lady who was head of National Honor Society disliked me by association. I'd never had any dealings with the lady who was head of National Honor Society, but my, two of my best friends had. And they did not like her, and she did not like them, because she would see me in the hall with them. She did not like me. 
And uh, so we were there in, in my biology two class, and my me and my biology two teacher had a had a good relationship. I'd help her tutor some students and whatnot. And anyways, there had been some this other lady had had some of her students, her honor students even, stealing her test keys, her her test stuff. So she had to lock everything down in her in this little filing cabinet. And she had she was head of the department, so she forced my teacher to get a locking filing cabinet. And she let us know. She said, well, I'm going to have to do this. It's not because I don't trust you or any of this. And the filing cabinet was brand new. We all knew it was empty. She hadn't moved anything there at that point. Well, she steps out of the class. My teacher does. So I decide that I'm going to be funny for the class and that I'm going to act like I'm this, like, test key ninja guy, and I'm going to go steal this test key. So I'm all sneaking around the room, and I work my way out, and my classmates are, you know, snickering and stuff, and I go up and open this empty filing cabinet and act like I'm going through the filing cabinet. And as I'm bent over doing that, the other teacher, the head of honor society, walks past and sees me doing this. And I see her out of the corner of my eye. I shut it and go sit down. But at that point, boy, she bust. She was so mad. Oh, she was mad. She was ready to have me kicked out of honor society. She was just ready to have all this stuff. And bless God, my teacher really went to bat for me. And, and, and I had to do a lot of community service there at school. <laughs> but, but I didn't get kicked out of honor society. I didn't get, uh, I didn't get uh, uh, written up too bad. But the problem was is that I was, you were just seeing the wrong opportunities. My, my focus was not about class. My focus was not about getting into college. My focus, I mean, that played a huge role. Me being in honor society, me doing all this. I'd worked all of these different years. And there, in one little joke, it almost poofed. It was almost gone. I wasn't seeing, instead of seeing, seeing things to protect in advance, I was looking for opportunities to just be funny, to just goof off, to just be immature. And those opportunities presented themselves. And so I took them. We have to be so careful about the way we think. It is absolutely vital. So once we understand this, that the way we think is going to determine the open doors that we see, then the next thing is we've got to ask ourselves is, what open doors should we be seeing? A lot of you are familiar with the, uh, you know, the Sixth Sense movie and the kids saying, I see dead people. We all know he shouldn't be seeing that. That's wrong. You shouldn't be seeing dead people. You know what? There are opportunities. There are different things we just ought not be seeing. There's things we should not be looking for. We have to focus and make sure we're looking for and looking at the right thing. The first one is the open door of faith. We see this in Acts chapter 14, verse 27. It says, On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. We ought to be looking for an open door of faith to grow our faith, to step into a, a deeper relationship with God. We ought to be looking for that. We ought to be looking for the open door of faith. We shouldn't be stagnant, looking for opportunities to grow, looking for opportunities to serve, looking for opportunities to learn. An open door of faith that's going to build up our faith. The next one we ought to see is the open door to share what God has done for you. There in 2 Corinthians 2.12, it says, Now when I went to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ and found that the Lord had opened a door for me. 
This is what is so awesome about Christianity, is that all we're responsible to pass along and to share is what God has done in our lives. And as soon as we have stepped over, we've received Christ as our Savior, as soon as we've stepped over from death to life, we now have something to share. You say, you know what, on this quiz of life, I know number one. I may not know the rest of them, but I know number one. Let me help you out. If you'll receive Jesus, just, just receive what he's done. You don't have to work. You don't have to do these things. You just have to receive what he has done. He has paid the price. And we, just, we are able to just pass that along. As God does other things, if God has helped restore your marriage, then you ought to look for opportunities to share with other people so that they have their marriage restored. If you haven't, if you've, whatever God has done in your life, then you ought to look for an open door to share that. I'm not talking about kicking doors down. I'm not saying you got to jump up on your office desk and preach to everybody. I'm saying an open door. And so many times, that a lot of times you'll know the open door is there because all of a sudden you'll maybe want to throw up. That's the way I used to know. Now all of a sudden there's like, a, it, there, somebody kind of cracks the door open a little bit in the conversation. And I, the thought runs through my mind, and then I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that. I'm gonna, and then I start deciding that I'm gonna, I'm gonna, they're going to think I'm stupid. They're going to think I'm all this. And when all we need to do is just share God with somebody. Sometimes it can be real simple. This week I was at, this week I was at lunch, and I was, I'm, I'm the pastor. I'm going to lunch, and there was a guy on the other side of the counter that was, that was serving me. And he asked me how I was doing, and he may have just been setting me up. And I said, I'm doing good. And I responded and i said how are you doing and he said man i'm just so blessed that's all he said he didn't say i'm so blessed by god but you could tell what it was you could tell what was there he just he let me know that god was doing something in his life could he have been a little more forward with it maybe but it ministered to me it reminded me absolutely absolutely right here at this restaurant we ought to just be sharing it ought to just be open the next thing we see is the open door to do good. The Bible tells us that, that if we know the good that we should do and don't do it, to that man it's sin. It may not be sin to everybody else, but you knew to do good and you didn't do it. And for you, you're going to have to stand before God before that. So we need to be looking for the open door to do good. Galatians 6.10 says, Therefore, we ha as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people especially those who belong to the family of believers. We ought to be looking to do good to each other, helping one another out, being a blessing to each other. The Bible says that the whole world is going to know that we are disciples, uh, not by how wonderful and big a building we can build, although those are wonderful and we build buildings. It's not by how cool a worship we can do, and although we want to have cool, relevant worship, it's not how any of these other things we can do, but it's how we love each other. Man, when we really begin to step into this and start looking for opportunities to do good, especially to the household of faith, especially to the other believers, people who are part of the kingdom, man, people are going to just, they want to be a part of that. Like, wow, they really take care of their own. I mean, that's one of the key things that gets people involved in gangs out on the streets. It's because they see that, man, you may pay a dear price to get in. But once you're in, they take care of their own. And people want to be a part of that. Man, we as believers, we ought to be the best at that. And the last one we see is the open door of relationship. 
Revelations 3.20 says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. We ought to be looking for the open door relationship, first and foremost with God, and then as God begins to open up doors of relationship with others, we ought to, our sphere of influence ought to be continually expanding. If you don't have any friends this year that you, that you didn't have last year, there's a problem. There ought to be new friends coming in. You ought to have the old ones too. The person who has a new best friend all the time and doesn't talk to any of the old best friends, they, have a, they, they need to have some, some come to Jesus meetings too. But we ought to have new friends. We ought to have new people coming into our lives as God expands our sphere of influence. Another one of the things we have to make sure of when we're looking at the open doors is that there's a, a common misconception that if God has opened a door, then going through it is going to be easy. And in the blog today, which will post in about 40 minutes, then I, I addressed this in the blog because I knew I was not going to have a bunch of time to deal with it. But if you'll get online and read the blog, it, it looks at being able to push through, knowing you're, that you're supposed to, knowing it's God's will to do something, but things begin to just kind of shut. And we begin to push through that. 1 Corinthians 16.9 says, Because a great door of effective work has opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. Now, wait a second. God's opened a great door of effective work. Then why are there all these who oppose you? Shouldn't God kind of remove the opposition? No. People have their own free will. They can oppose what they want to oppose. The thing is, is that it doesn't, God can't be stopped. It's not that God has no opposition. It's that God doesn't lose. We stay on God's side and move forward with him. 1 Timothy 6, 12 says, Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called when you, were made your good, when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. This is, this is a fight of faith. It's not that everything just comes easy. There's, we're still in a fallen world. We're still in a battlefield. We get our lives renewed and we go from death to life on a battlefield it's like if you're walking out onto into one of these great battle scenes throughout history and there was a slain warrior and he all of a sudden comes back to life yes that's an incredible thing he's had his life back but guess what's happening all around him a battle he's still got to grab his sword and go to it he's there's still a battle happening on there and when we step over from death to life we're still on this planet it's still a battlefield there's still God and, and the forces of, uh, of, of Satan and, and the fallen man that are at war with one another. And so we, we have to understand and fight the good fight of faith. Matthew 7, 7 through, through 8 tells us, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. Sometimes we've got to do the knock, and sometimes we have to pursue. It looks closed, but really it's an, it's an opportunity God wants to take us in there. So the last thing is what should we do with these open doors? What should we do with it? My, uh, my, my papa is, uh, is just one of my favorite people on the planet. He is just awesome. I got to spend a lot of time with him out on the golf course as a kid. And everybody in Andrews, Texas knows my papa because he is just awesome. He's just nice. He doesn't meet a stranger. And... Uh, 
Anyways, when my papa was, was younger, he was a bit of a different man. He was a little more bold. He was, he was a little more honory. And uh, when him and my, my grandmother were, were dating, they dated and kind of courted for a long period of time. But my grandmother says that every time there was a holiday or something, my, my papa would break up with her so he wouldn't have to buy her a gift. <laughs> and then he would kind of temporarily pick up another girlfriend and get through the holidays, and then get and then get, and then go back to my go back to my meemaw. And uh, so, at some point in their high school time together, my my meemaw just she got sick of it. My papa had had pulled his trick and was going to get out of having to buy the gift and all that, which it may have been legit. I mean, at one point in his life, they lived in a chicken coop that they they just didn't have a lot of money. I mean, they they had to sweep out and, and lived in a chicken coop, and so it was. Times were tough, and uh, so it may have been an easy way out for for him to not have to rustle up some money. But for whatever it was, it just drove my grandmother crazy. She she didn't like that. So this time, when he pulled that trick, well, she just got herself a new boyfriend. And uh, and uh, that uh, she never she'd not pulled that trick before at this point. And my my papa he did not like that at all. So at some point, my papa was, was there in, there in uh, La Mesa, and here comes my, my meemaw driving in the car with this other guy. And uh, go, they were going real slow, and man, my meemaw was doing it just to make him jealous. I mean, that was the only reason. This poor man was just being used by my meemaw. He was just totally being used and abused by my meemaw. And so, man, I'm telling you, my papa could not stand it so he sees them driving up and they're driving and he is it's a moving vehicle now they're going slow you know letting you know letting him get a good look at uh at what's happening and she had, was sitting over there in the middle of the seat where the where the where the honey sits and man he just couldn't take that so man he runs up beside that car throws that door open and jumps in to the front seat that's right you go papa and he jumped in the front seat and sitting there, and there's this other poor old boy sitting there, and they're having a discussion. My papa is begging to get my meemaw back in the front seat of this other man's car. And so and he's apologizing and saying, I'm so sorry. I, you know, I love you, Clara. I'm all this. And, and uh, so they get back together in the front seat of this other guy's car as they're going down the road. And I'm like, that's right, papa. And... Uh, that's the last time he pulled that mess, and a few years back, I got the privilege of doing the ceremony for their 50th wedding anniversary, and uh, they've uh, been together a long time. But I'm telling you, we have to have that attitude of making the most of the opportunity. He was not going to let that car get away, because at some point, that man was going to drop her off, and he knew what happened. You dropped the young lady off at the house, and you might try to get a smooch. And he was not, that opportunity was not getting away. And sometimes we just have to do that. We have to be willing to make the most of the opportunity. We sit, it is only there for a moment. We have to jump in and grab it and take it and make the most of the opportunity. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17 says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. That's what we've been talking about. When our minds are renewed, we begin to understand what God's will is. 
His word is his will. It's not a hard thing for us to get. We just have to have this reshape the way this thing works. And then we can begin to see the opportunities that are before us and begin to make the most of those things. Colossians 4, 5 says a similar thing. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every, every opportunity. We already covered about doing good for those who are insiders. Those are the household of faith. But we need to be wise in the way we deal with those who are outside. They're on the outside looking in. And we need to make the most of every opportunity to show God off. Show how, how loving and accepting and wonderful our God is. We have to make the most of every opportunity. So this morning, as we are here, we want to make sure that we make the most of the opportunity of showing up. And that uh, I don't know what state or what place you're in, your relationship with God. But we want to make sure that you at least hit one. Remember we talked about the, the, the little pop quiz, the test. And 